the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. One of the great benefits of doing this show is you get to meet a lot of really interesting people and special people. And our next guest is one of those people that I've had the opportunity to meet in the course of her campaign for the 15th Congressional District Republican nomination to succeed Steve Stivers. It is Ruth Edmonds. And Ruth did not emerge from the primary as the winner of the primary, but uh, we're all winners because she has returned to the Center for Christian Virtue, formerly Citizens for Community Values. So Ruth will be serving as Director of Christian Engagement. Ruth, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm excited you're back with CCV. Thank you, Bruce. I am excited as well, and so is the team. It's like, you know, the the movie The Blues Brothers. We're getting the team back together. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and you're on a mission from God, so there you go. Exactly. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, Let's talk about the campaign. Uh, I had another candidate, Omar Tarazi, here in studio last week, and I asked him what I'll ask you, and that is, what did you learn about the process, and what did you learn about our political system that I'm sure you had eyes wide open and you had advisors going in, but I'm also sure that when you invest as much time and effort and energy as you did into it, you also learned some things. Well, some may be good, some may not be so good. What did you learn through the campaign? What are your takeaways from it? Well, thanks. So it was 12 weeks. And um, I learned that nothing changes <laughs> in in the po- in the political world because this wasn't my first rodeo, Bruce. Um, several years ago, in '97, and then again in '99, I did run for political office, um, Columbus City Council first, and then Columbus um, Board of Education second. And so those were much longer races. They actually started back the beginning of those years, and I went through a primary um, and then on to the general in both cases. And so it's, um, I already knew the kind of commitment it was going to take. I understood, um, you know, that, you know, the candidate is, is doing two things at one time. Um, he or she is raising money so that you can get your message out. And then the second is you're getting your message out to the voters so you have to do both of them at the same time, and there's a healthy balance in that. So I understood all those things. The mechanics of the race, the rigors of the race, helped many other candidates run before, and um, I've also served for elected office holders. So I, I understood that world. Um, the thing that was, um, I would say, different for me was that I was now running from a vantage point of a, of a message um, specific to the time that we are in. So while I was running for Congress, 
I was also running on a mission to get a particular message out to the to patriots and to Christians. And that was a little different for me. And what I learned from that is God is sovereign. <laughs> and when he sends you out, um, you can best believe if you speak what he tells you to speak, he will, I mean, mountains move and seasons will change and momentum will be um, will be gained as a result of that race. Ruth Edmonds is our guest. Uh, Ruth is with Center for Christian Virtue. She ran for the 15th Congressional District in Ohio. Uh, we were talking about that race, Ruth, and, you know, I know you said when you were in my studio here a few weeks ago, a few months ago, that you felt called to run. You felt like you were given a result of what would come from running. And mm-hmm. sometimes we think we know what certain things mean when they're laid on our heart. But I have a friend who says life's lived forward, understood in reverse. Are there things you <laughs> un- are there things you understand now about that calling to run that maybe you didn't understand then? Yeah. You know, much like um, <clears throat> when God told Abraham to take Isaac up on the hill, <laughs> God was just telling I- Abraham to make a sacrifice. And so for me, what what this campaign really was about was making the sacrifice. Um, I had to give up um, a role um, with CCV that I absolutely love, was tailor-made for. Um, and so God required all. I had, you know, I, I had no salary for 12 weeks. Um, and so that major sacrifice, when God calls us, it's going to cost us something. And, and Christians, we need to understand that. The second was that, um, you know, God really, you know, he gave me a vision. And, you know, the scripture says, you know, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it also says, write the vision and make it plain. I had a clear vision of what I was supposed to do. And you have to maintain, you have to be like, set your head like flint when you get that vision and just move forward in it. This was a victorious race in so many ways. And that even though I did not prevail through um, the primary, that was not a sign of defeat. That really was the beginning of a greater victory because now all of the all of the relationships, the momentum, the voice, um, <clears throat> the sound that that Christians and patriots heard, we get to leverage that and level that up now in CCV and really move forward in a greater way than we have before. So there was much victory um, in that. So God said, you're going to run. I ran. He said, you're going to win. I did, in a, in a way. He said, you're going to run for Congress. I did. He said that um, I'm going to fund my campaign. Well, he did. 90% of what we of what was um, raised in that campaign came from the Christian community. So God really came through. It's just that sometimes we have to get close enough to him to understand what he's doing um, and, and sometimes not, you know, be so stuck on our literal. We have to really flow in the spirit because he's not a man that he should lie. When he his work cannot go out and return void, and that's a message that I want to the faith community to know, even if it doesn't look like what you thought literally was going to look like, go back in your prayer closet, ask the Holy Spirit to show you really what was happening. Because when you move according to what he says, you're going to be victorious. It just may not look exactly the way you thought it would, but it will work together for your good and for his glory.
Ruth Edmonds is our guest, and I think you can hear in Ruth's voice the passion and energy is just as strong as it was before she ran for the 15th Congressional District. And I can certainly see, Ruth, how your increased profile throughout the district now can certainly help serve CCV and the mission that you're on at CCV to help people who have the same faith we have. They also Mm -hmm. want to apply that and do Mm -hmm. it kindly, but also uh, firmly on issues that I know you were concerned about in the campaign and issues that you remain concerned about, the backpack bill, CRT Mm -hmm. in schools. Uh, You mentioned Mm -hmm. that you ran for city council. You ran for board of education. I know you're going to Mm -hmm. encourage people to do that and to bring Mm -hmm. the viewpoint of life that we have to those endeavors because that's an important Mm -hmm. mission of Center for Christian Virtue, and that's an important mission that you're about at CCV. Absolutely, absolutely. So now that we've got this momentum and uh, that sound, you know, I I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. You know, God created sound. He didn't really create music. He didn't really create words. He created a sound, and that sound, when you hear it, when the, when, when your spirit hears that sound, um, and that sound is authentic. That's what, that's what Christians and patriots are authentic speaker, one who spoke with um, clarity and with, um, and with, yes, a spirit of, <clears throat> of love, a spirit of righteousness. It was traditional values. It was common sense. It was um, a sound that said that parents, um, you know, we need to strengthen parents' role as, um, you know, parental um, um, rights. We need to strengthen that. When they heard the sound that we are more united than we are divided, that, that just rallied the troops. They say, yeah, when I said that Caucasians are not villains and brown-skinned people are not victims, it was like, yeah, you could hear like the rushing sound. And, you know, run. You know, if God is calling you to do that, run, because we need voices in our, um, in our government. If we're going to shift culture, we ha- if we're going to change what comes out of our government, we have to change who we're sending to our government. There was another wave of, yeah, you know. Um, so this sound they were picking up on, and now what we're doing here at Center for Christian Virtue, it's much like, you know, once, once Moses got the Israelites all together and all in one accord and was ready to move them out of Egypt, <clears throat> he had to move them forward. And when they got to the Red Sea and God did the parting, Moses still had to, you know, lead the people across. And so part of my role and my assignment will continue to be kind of that, that pioneering leader um, that will help the body of Christ, Christian um, community, know how to engage government, how to um, engage culture, how to engage public policy in a way that we are really shifting culture. Now that, now that they've heard the voice, the sound, they see, they can see who that leadership is, now they will follow even more. And um, they have the respect of CCV. Um, they know that we're just not, you know, looking to, to pan, you know, um, pander Christians and use them. Um, that's not who we are. But we're here to um, reach out and to resource and then to engage them for the kingdom. And I'm excited about that opportunity to be able to talk about Center for Christian Virtue and how we resource Christians and how we engage the body of Christ 
um, because we can we can change laws all day long, but we will be playing whack-a-mole when we do that. Because if we're not changing the hearts of those who are in elected office, if we're not raising up organizations like Moms for America um, and others who are really pushing, you know, to engage um, the body of Christ, um, if we're not doing that, then we're we're continuing to fight. Um, and we're going to get tired. We have to engage the full body of Christ, and that's what I get to do in this next round of my assignment with Center for Christian Virtue. Well, you're going to do a great job, and I'm really happy that you've landed back there. People can donate to CCV by going to the website, ccv.org, Center for Christian Virtue. Ruth Edmonds, great talking to you, great getting to know you. I wish you well in your new, quote-unquote, new position. And I appreciate you coming on the show today. Great. Thank you, Bruce. It's great to be here. We want people to know that when they do give to CCV, we are a charitable, non-for-profit organization. So all your contributions are totally tax-deductible. It's a charitable contribution. So please give generously because we exist solely off of the charitable contributions of people who share our faith values. We are not a government entity, and we accept no government dollars. God has been faithful over the last 30-plus years to sustain us through those who share our faith values and be a part of this work. So thank you, Bruce, and thank you to your audience. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby was at the podium again today. Boy, that guy earns his money every day. I'll say that. He's out there. I wonder if he's wearing a Kevlar suit. Because the press has turned on the Biden administration, all except for imbeciles like Nicole Wallace and Joy Reid. There are still a few partisans who don't understand this epic humiliation and failure of American citizens and Afghan people. And it's interesting. I'm going to play you some audio. I can't get to everything every day in two hours that I want to get to. Uh, Yesterday, Jen Psaki said something that was so callous and stupid, and it goes back to what we talked about on the show yesterday with Michael Knowles of the Daily Wire about words mattering and about how there's this concerted effort by the left to take the true meaning out of words and bully you over holding them accountable on what the words they say mean. There are, as we've seen, endless promises from the people at the Pentagon. We're going to get every American out. We're going to get every American out. We're going to get everyone out. Everybody's going to get it. We're going to get them out. Don't worry. We're going to get them out. And then there are questions. How many are there? Don't know. Don't know how many are there. They come in. They're not required to tell us where they are, which, you know, those days are numbered. As the day coming, you'll be required to tell them everywhere you are, or they'll be able to track everywhere you are. Don't know where they are. Yeah, they come in, come in to Afghanistan, and you know, who wouldn't want to come into Afghanistan? <laughs> they come in. We don't know where they are. We don't know how many are in Kabul. We don't know how many are in Jalamabad. We don't know how many are anywhere. We don't know. So how do you know you're going to get them all out if you don't know how many are there? That would be my question. Which, you know, if you ask that question, you get jumped by Jen Psaki, who yesterday, this is how you know Twitter is a leftist cesspit. Just now there's a 
topic trending on Twitter about South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem. Because Kristi Noem has said she's going to do everything she can, everything in her power to protect South Dakotans from mask mandates, from vaccine mandates. She's going to do everything she can legislatively and with the will of her office and all that to protect. So you click on that as a trending topic, and every single response is along the lines of, well, you know, if you really wanted to protect South Dakotans, you'd resign. If you really wanted to protect South Dakotans, you'd require a vaccine. If you really, Not half the responses, not 80% of the responses, Every single one. Now, that is just <laughs> not at all remotely possible that every response to that topic on Twitter is anti Christy Nome. Just not possible because I'll tell you what, she's a very popular governor of South Dakota. So, what? South Dakotans don't have Twitter? Nobody who supports Christy Nome has Twitter? Every single tweet? Across America, there's not one 40-year-old guy who looks at Christy Nome. I'm going to be very politically incorrect here and goes, wow, she's really attractive. I'm just going to support her because she's attractive. I'm going to tweet my response, my supportive response to Christy Nome. No, no. According to Twitter, every single response is, oh, Christy Nome, how horrible. Sure, right. So yesterday I noticed on Twitter trending is this hashtag Saki bomb. Oh, the leftists, they love Jen Saki. They just think she's great. The presidential truth masseuse, the liar in chief. So I go to see, okay, what's the Saki bomb? Oh, she shut down Peter Ducey of Fox news. Oh, 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 another epic defeat for Peter Ducey of Fox news. Jen Saki, isn't she the greatest? Well, Jen Psaki put her foot, actually both feet, and both elbows in it yesterday because she has such great personal disdain for Peter Ducey. And why does she have personal disdain for Peter Ducey? Because Peter Ducey asks her questions that no other reporter in that room is willing to ask. And so you're going to hear Peter Ducey ask about the stranded Americans in Afghanistan. Now, look, I don't think stranded Americans who Sunday, Sunday, holding it in my hand, the U.S. Embassy in Kabul on Sunday repeated, repeated its previous warning to trapped American citizens to, quote, quote, quoting the U.S. Embassy, avoid Kabul airport because of unspecified, and I quote again, security threats outside the gates. Okay, so the U.S. Embassy, official U.S. government agency, says, avoid the airport. There are security threats outside the gates. Okay, if I'm an American in Kabul, if I'm an American in Afghanistan, the only place I can get a flight out is Kabul, right? So I'm to avoid Kabul, because there are security threats outside the gates. That does not come from... You know, somebody's ham radio in the mountains of Afghanistan. That comes from the U.S. Embassy. I would feel stranded. No, I would feel abandoned. That's how I would feel. I would feel deserted. That's how I would feel. I would not feel stranded. I would amp 
up my feeling beyond stranded. I'd go straight to panic-stricken. Abandoned by my government is where I would go. But that's not where Peter Ducey went. He used the word stranded. And Jen Psaki did not like it, not one little bit. By pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded. Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan right now. I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said, when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. And I think that's important for the American public to hear and understand. Yeah, it's important for you to promise, and it is not a promise you can honor. And it is not a promise you will be able to execute. Because here is what is actually going on in Afghanistan, if not right now or in the future. And you can set your red-headed leftist clock by this, Jen Psaki. There are Americans being tortured or who will be tortured in Afghanistan. And it will be on tape and it will be played on worldwide television or on the web. Because they are going to use the American citizens who are there who must pass through their checkpoint to get out of the country as leverage to make you pay ransom to fund their terrorism across the globe. You can set your clock by that. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.